Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He doesn't like lose interest in us. I found a new book, so I push you off to the side. That's not how he works. He can't work like that. He's all knowing. He's everywhere, omnipresent. I mean, he is God, all powerful. He never loses interest in you. He never does. He, at not one point in time in your existence, has God ever lost interest in you. How sweet it is that God desires us at all times. No one will ever love you the way that God does. Today, Pastor James speaks on this powerful truth and encourages listeners to embrace every moment, big and small. Unlike many relationships in life that can experience pain, rejection, and failure, a relationship with Jesus is pure, refreshing, and sustaining. He'll never get tired of you. If you've distanced yourself from God today, He's still there waiting for you, calling you home with His arms wide open. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Zechariah chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. not about us. It's not about us. It's about him. And if he starts a good work in us, then he's going to, he's going to finish it. Our God is a finisher. He's a finisher. So man, and this is like, this was the, the key verse that I, I know Chuck, Chuck Smith references all the time. We had uh, hoodies by, back in Bible college or like Calvary Chapel Bible college. And on the back, you know, there's sometimes different Bible verses that were representative of, you know, whoever was in charge of designing those things. But Zechariah 4, 6 was one of those key verses for us as Bible college students. Because what Chuck wanted us to get was, it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by his spirit. It's by his spirit. And, and we just have to rest in that. We have to rely on that. But what if I face an obstacle? Well, you will, number one. Um, <laughs> You will. And in verse 7, lets us know this. Uh, it says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Right? So, okay, so what if, you know, in the midst of this, like, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, like, okay, Lord, I, I understand that, I get that. But like, um, there's a mountain in front of me. Like, there's an obstacle in the way. God, what, what are you going to do about that? Matthew 17 tells us. I'll read that to you guys. Don't worry. Matthew 17, Jesus references this. Uh, just a good little heads up for all of us. 17 verse 20 says, Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed... You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you, right? And so this is obviously dealing with the boy who is needing healing, and the disciples are, you know, they're trying to figure something out. They can't, they're, they're just, they're not figuring it out. Like, they're not getting it, okay? And the Lord's telling him, he's like, oh, no, 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 hold on, because you're trying to figure this out. You're trying to figure this out. But that's not, that's not how this works. I already got it figured out. 
I just need you to trust in me. But there's a mountain. He's like, yeah, yeah. That's why it's, that's why this is this thing called faith. And you will speak to the mountain and the mountain will move. If I want the mountain to move, the mountain's going to move is what God's saying. He's like, there are no obstacles for me. What you see as an obstacle, I see as a flat plane. And so, Lord, okay, Lord, then that's not really a reality for me. You know, like, it's like, oh, yeah, but okay, all I still see is an obstacle, like if I'm being real. And he's like, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, you got, you know, a little mustard seed faith. I get it. It's tiny. It's, it's small. But even the small faith is able to move the big mountains. For these guys, they were facing a, a, a mountain, and God's like, oh, don't worry about the mountain. Don't worry about that. I got that. Well, but when? Oh, it, it's going to be years down the road, but don't worry about it. You're like, oh, I don't have, as they're in the midst of rebuilding the temple, they're like, no, we want it done today. And God's like, well, it can't happen today, but it will happen. And for them, the temple would be finished. It would be rebuilt and God, who's going to supply all the power that they need and the ability and all of that stuff, is also able to remove any obstacles that presented themselves to the children who were just faithfully showing up to do the work. Verse 8, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel uh, have laid the foundation of this temple. Now, this is speaking of like, this is going to happen. So, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he connects that directly back to the menorah that's supplied by the two olive trees on the right and on the left, an unending supply of olive oil to keep the lamp burning bright. And God's like, I got the power. It's my might. It's my ability. It's my power. Just hang on for the ride, right? Like, oh, the mountain? Don't worry. I'm going to move the mountain because this is going to happen. This is going to happen. The foundation has been laid. It says, his hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. God knows how to finish what he starts. I'm going to read another verse to you. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing, that he, and the he is God, who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So what he started in you, whenever you finally got smart enough to like say, like, I surrender, like, I'm all in, Jesus, the good work that he started in your heart on that day, he will see it through. He will see it through. But what if I do? No, no what ifs. Cling to Jesus. You don't give room for the what ifs. There's no, no what ifs, okay? It's like when, when before Nellie and I got married, the counsel that I received from my pastor, man that I love dearly, tremendously, flew him out to California to do our wedding. He told me before Nellie and I got married, he says, listen, the word divorce, I want you to remove that from your vocabulary. Take it out of the equation. He said, we never went in the equation. Because like, I'm young, I'm dumb, I'm in love. It's like, oh, we're married forever. He's like, I know that, because you are. But he's like, I want you to remove that term from your knowledge bank. It's not an option. It's not an option. You remove it. 
Now, this isn't a statement on can Christians get divorced. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying for a lot of believers, we spend so much time exhausting ourselves over the what if. No, no what ifs. Is his word true? It is. And his word says, I will finish what I start. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. The Lord is the author and finisher of the faith. What he starts, he finishes. What he starts, he finishes. He is totally opposite of me when it comes to books. What he starts, he finishes. What I start, I'm like, I get distracted. I'm reading like five books at a time. And I'm like, and there's a, probably a hundred books in my office that are like halfway read. And I praise God that that's not how he treats any of us. He doesn't like lose interest in us. I found a new book. So I push you off to the side. That's not how he works. He can't work like that. He's all knowing. He's everywhere, omnipresent. I mean, he is God, all powerful. He never loses interest in you. He never does. At not one point in time in your existence has God ever lost interest in you. Never. Never. You may feel like he has. You may feel forgotten sometimes. But he hasn't forgotten you. Because he can't forget you. Because he started a good work in you. And he will see it through. He will finish it out. Which means he never stops thinking about you. He never stops caring about you. He never stops loving you. From start to finish, our God's a finisher. He is. Just stay out of his way. Stay out of his way. Let him do his job, right? Like, don't make it harder for him as if anything's hard for God, right? But, like, we have this thing called free will where you can make choices that are contrary to what he wants for you. I would counsel all of us to make the right choices, like, because I, I don't want to, you don't want to miss out on what he may have had as part of his plans for you, but I'm just too much of a knucklehead to like get my act together and I miss out on some blessings because that's a reality, okay? We may miss out on some opportunities because we're so selfish, because we're so sinful. But God's like, I will finish. Oh, I will finish with you. And you might, I mean, he might, it may be him dragging us into heaven. I don't know. But my goodness, he will finish what he starts. And that's where it's like, that encourages my heart to kind of just stand in awe of him and be like, man, what do I, I don't have anything to worry about. Like, my biggest issue, your biggest issue was solved on the cross with Jesus. If your biggest fear is like dying and going to hell, well then, well, Jesus solved that for you on the cross and with the empty tomb. So if you're all in on Jesus, then he's all in on you. And not that, I don't want to puff you up at all, but I mean, he's like, I went to the cross for you, but I will finish what I start. And what, the work that he's begun in us, he is faithful to finish that. He did it back then with these guys, and, and he, he's still in the business of doing that today. I will finish it. Verse 10 this is a cool little verse, I think. This is where, this is what's missed sometimes. We get so like pumped up about like, 
not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Like that's our battle cry, right? We're like, hoorah, you know, that's, we're all in on that. Oh, but what about verse 10? Verse 10, for who has despised the day of small things? Ah, well, we all despise the day of small things, if we're honest. I mean, if we're honest, that's, that, yes. But the admonition here is don't despise the small things. Don't despise the days of the small things. He says, for these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Don't despise the small things. God, in God's eyes, they're all big things. We just get so messed up, especially in our, for sure, in our Western culture. Like if, if our church isn't like a thousand people, somehow we don't have it right, which is just dumb. Okay, that's just so foolish. That's such a weird thing. And you know who are the worst people about that are actually pastors. You go to any pastor's conference, like, hey, how big's your church? Like, none of your business, right? Like, none of your business. You worry about your church, okay? Because clearly you got issues, right? If you're asking other guys, like, yeah, it's like, no, what does it matter? That, and I always, I always respond back with, I have more than I can handle. I have more than I can handle. That's what I know. And that could be just a handful or a lot. It doesn't matter. But we don't, we don't despise the small days. There's so much good that can be had in the, in the, the small things or in the days of the small things. Things that you will miss when if you are faithful with the small things and God entrusts you with bigger things, you, as soon as you get the bigger thing, because this is human nature, you get the bigger things. You're like, oh, man, I miss the days of the small things. Right? When we're here in the small things, we're like, oh, I, what it would be like just to be there with the, the big things. And then you get there and you're like, oh, this is so stressful. I wish we had the small things. And then you go back to there and then our hearts are just so weird. We crave what we don't have. Right? We're just not content. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. We, we, we really lack contentment. And God's like, well, what do you want? Like, you know, like, what? I'm going to entrust you with this. Hey, you're knocking it out. You're doing really good. Then I'm going to add some more sheep to the congregation. Then it's like, now you're whining and complaining about that. Like, what do you, you know, I can't even imagine the grace that God has for us as we're just like the children of Israel, whining and complaining all through the wilderness. I mean, that, essentially, that's, that's, you know, kind of what they were facing. But it's just, there's no contentment. Paul says, I've learned contentment. I've learned it. I've had a lot. Paul's like, small days? Yeah. He's like, my name actually means small. He's like, that's me. He's like, he's like, I know what it means to be without, and I know what it means to have a lot. He's like, but what, regardless, I just, I've learned to be content with whatever. The blessing of Zechariah chapter 4, yes, it is like, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by his spirit. And when his spirit is working in and through you, it doesn't matter how big the platform is or how small the platform is. Because it's all him. It's all him. And so we don't despise the day of small things. And now this is especially, and for some of you guys, you're, you're just now venturing out into like ministry stuff. And like, I get it. I mean, we've all been there where it's like, you know, where, you know, you're, you're doing worship and it's just like one person there. 
or you're teaching a Bible study and there's just like two people there and you're just like, Lord, like, then why am I even doing this? Well, don't despise the small days. That's training ground, man. That's, that's where, man, that's where the Lord is working. That's where he's actually working. You're like, well, if he was working, there'd be a hundred people here. No, no, no. No, he's working on, he's working on your heart, my heart. Because look, it's discouraging in the small days. But there's been many Thursdays where I show up and it's like, oh, I guess nobody's coming today. And then you can get like, but I'm like, no. What I've learned is like, I don't care who's there. And that's not me saying I don't care about people, because I do, contrary to whatever, I actually do. But I've said this countless times, if it's one or if it's 100, I preach to an audience of one every single service. And his name is Jesus. His opinion is the only one I care about. I, I appreciate attaboys and all that stuff, but it's his that I'm looking for. It's the well done, good and faithful servant from Jesus that I am looking for. And that, can, that keeps me motivated to where it's like, I'll show up anywhere and I'll preach and teach the word of God to anybody because Jesus has entrusted this to me. And I don't despise the small days. I actually love some of the small things. Like Nellie and I have had the opportunities to go and share at other churches and much smaller churches. And it's just, there's a beauty to it, to where it's like, it's kind of like us. Like we're a small church and I love that. Um, but when it's a smaller thing, then it's like all hands on deck and everybody's pitching in. And it's not about like a title and a recognition and all that stuff. No, it's like, we're all servants. Let's, let's just get together to do this thing. You lose that sometimes when it gets bigger. This isn't a slam on any big churches. I love, big, I love church. Because the church is the bride of Christ, okay? I ain't going to bash on no churches unless they're like abusing the gospel or fakers, you know, or whatever. But I love the church, okay? Not like some, I don't know who this person was who wrote like, well, I hate, I don't like Christians, but I love Jesus. It's like, that's nonsensical, okay? That's like not biblical. Um, that's actually probably a sinful statement, technically. No, I don't always agree with churches, but the ones that are about the gospel and the ones that are about Jesus, I love the church because it's his bride, which I'm a part of. Whether it's a big one or a small one, doesn't matter, but there's just something that's so sweet about the small church dynamic where it's, man, all hands on deck. And, and you know, it, it does kind of have a family element to it. But here's the disclaimer. Here's the thing. It may not be God's will for this church to stay a small church. The size of the church is not dependent upon how crafty and clever James Grizzle is. Okay? It's just not. Like, I, I know that there's some, if they wish I was a little bit better organized or we could, you know, promote better and do all this stuff, it's, that's not going to bring people in. It's if, according to my understanding of the book of Acts, it's the Holy Spirit that brings the people in. Now, I know we have our part with, like, inviting people. We should always be inviting people. But if it's God's will for this church to grow and to be a bigger church, then that's his business. That's his plan. And he will equip us to handle whatever that looks like. But if his plan or his will is for this to be a small church, please understand, I am not disappointed. And I don't view myself as a pastor as a failure if I pastor a small church. 
to me, it doesn't, that doesn't matter at all. What matters is, am I showing up and am, am I being faithful to the one who's called me? Are we showing up? Are we being faithful to the one who's called us? Are we enjoying? Are we embracing? I look forward, look forward to Thursdays. I, man, my, like, I, gotta, I work through a, a tough work week and all that stuff. And when I get here, I just, like, I'm just so stoked to be here. Like, I can't wait to be here on Thursdays. Then I, you know, I get a Friday where I'm like, get to study and all that, really pour in and get ready for Sunday. And then when I show up Sunday mornings, it's like, I can't wait to be here on Sunday morning. Like, I'm just stoked to be here because, man, I love being in, you know, I know it's a building, but the house of God with brothers and sisters who just want to worship and we just want to serve. Like, that's the deal for me. And if it's a small thing, hey, praise God. Praise God. I'll celebrate that. We'll be content with that. We'll be content with whatever it is that God wants to do because, again, it's not by might nor by power. And you can, you can insert some other things in there. I'm not saying add to the word. There I go again, heretic.com. Um, but I'm saying you can, it, it's not by your cleverness. It's not by your brilliance. It's not by it, none of that stuff. It's by his spirit. It's by his spirit. And it's through his spirit that you can embrace each and every day, each and every opportunity that God sends your way, whether it be a small thing or a big thing, they're all big things in his eyes. They're all big things. Because remember, we saw this in, um, I think it was chapter three, you're the apple of his eye. You're like the most treasured part of him. Like he loves you that much. Verse 11, just to close this out, it says, then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further uh, answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that dip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains, right? So there's the trees connected to the olive lamp, right? And just feeding it, just feeding it, okay? He answered me and said, do you not know what these are, <laughs> right? And there he is again. He's like, oh, you don't know what these are? And he's like, no, I actually don't know what these are. He could have been like, well, maybe I would just talk a lot and the answer will fall out of my mouth, right? Like that's sometimes what we like to do. Like somebody asks you like, oh, you don't, you don't know what this means? You're like, well, let me just start talking and rambling a lot. And then maybe magically, boom, there's the answer. That's not usually how it goes. Um, if you don't know an answer, you don't know an answer. Do your due diligence. Go look it up. Say, you know what? I actually don't have any clue what you're talking about right now. <laughs> no, I don't know that. But I'll go do some research. This angel's like, I love this, this interaction between the two. Because he's like, hey, what about those trees? And they're kind of like connected to that menorah. And like, what's that about? And the angel's like, oh, you don't know what that's about? He's like, no, actually, I don't. I really don't. That's why I'm asking. It's because I don't know. And I wonder what angels think of us sometimes, right? Like, just wonder. And they just stand in awe of like, really? These guys? Like, God, you, you really, these guys, they're the ones you made in your image? Interesting. Um, as angels are not like these, not always these like human looking things. Sometimes they're extremely frightening. If you actually read the literal descriptions of them, you're like, how many eyeballs do you have? Like, how many faces do you have? Like, creepy things. Yeah, they were like trunk or treat style, like Halloween type stuff. Like, that's literally what they're like. But, and they're just staring at us like, really, God? Um, man, God, you are good and gracious. Uh, anyways, but he answered me, you don't know what these are. And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed trees. 
who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Compassionate and loving are just a few descriptions of God. Did you know that in the Minor Prophets, he's also described as just? Israel and Judah thumbed their noses at God by making him unimportant in their lives. They gave in to their own desires, did what they wanted, and despaired in tough situations. All of this caused them to forget God as their protector and provider. Why is it so easy to do those things that, in the long run, aren't good for us? More than I care to admit, I see myself doing those same things, over and over. God was patient with them, and He's patient with me. But there comes a point when a reality check is needed. Jesus draws the line between white and black, wrong and right, judging actions and motives. Thankfully, He doesn't leave us in that rotten state. He offers us forgiveness and hope. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through a series called Major Messages from the Minor Prophets. Each message professed by the prophets reveals his abundant patience, his faithfulness, and also his justice. If you missed one or more of these teachings, I encourage you to go back and listen to them again at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Listen tab. We'd love for you to come join us each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Our prayer is that you're encouraged and rest in the confidence that Jesus will right every wrong. Be sure to tune in next time as Pastor James continues here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.